So Amazon, eBay, Etsy, all of these platforms, they're huge and they serve millions of sellers as well as hundreds of millions of customers. So because of that, these businesses, they've grown really quickly over time. So you look at Amazon, it's a behemoth, mm -hmm. but it's also very siloed internally. And there are certain departments that only do certain things. They have a lot of turnover, so they don't have a ton of training for new people sometimes. So there are problems that should be relatively easy to address and solve that are not. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my great to wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Leslie Hensel. She's a founder of Riverbend Consulting. And if you've been thinking about passive investing, and you should have, because we talk about that in our world, actually, we want to talk, we want to take a different angle today. We want to take a different angle of creating multiple streams of income. And passive income is a part of that, right? When creating a passive, if you're trying to create multiple streams of income, there's one name. I am very confident you have heard it repeatedly, which is FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon. We're actually taking a different take on that. We're not going to teach you on this show how to become an Amazon reseller or how to start a brand on Amazon. That's not what this show is going to be about. But what this show is going to be about is how does a brand become successful? How does a business become successful on Amazon? If you have challenges, how do you solve for it? That's really the essence of why Leslie Hensel has created this company, Riverbend Consulting. It's over 85 employees. So you would think that uh, she knows a thing or two about it. She's actually practically writing a book on it. And we'll talk about that during the show. So tune in. Don't tune out just because you don't have an Amazon business, right? Please don't do that. The show is going to be helpful to you if you're thinking about starting an Amazon business because what you want to show is we want to, we want to help you grow that brand, your presence at Amazon, be it our time, be it full-time, be it a brand that you already have that you want to grow and go super crazy on, doesn't matter, right? The, co the, co the concepts of making anything successful on Amazon is going to be applicable to you no matter where are you in your journey. So with that, keep, keep an open mind. With that conversation, with that preface, I'm going to open it up and invite Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Definitely. I'm excited. I, was, uh, I think we were, we were catching up on off air. I have so many courses on my computer about one day I'm going to become an Amazon reseller. It's just enough time has never happened. And when your profile came across, I'm like, you know what? There's, I need to take advantage of the podcast I have, which is I have the liberty and the luxury to talk to people like yourself. And instead of delving into a course, I'm going to just learn what are the success criteria, and if it's for me, then I'm going to take the next step. Leslie, I know you're 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 dialing in from Texas today, right? Yes, I am from the Lone Star State. Lone Star State, I should love that. And I'm assuming you're, in, and I know you're enjoying the beautiful cold weather there, which is probably not the reason why you why you were living in, in Texas, but now that's probably becoming a norm now. It's actually very warm today, but we're going to get right back into the cold and frigid. That's that's what it's like living in Texas. And I know it's like this too in North Carolina where you are. Yeah. It changes 
constantly. So you better have all four seasons worth of clothes available at any given time. I love that. Love that. So Leslie, let's open up with one question. Our favorite question is, what does the show, the name of the show, Migrate to Wealth, what does that mean to you? So to me, the idea of Migrate to Wealth is about attaining freedom. I have always believed that wealth is a tool. Money is a tool. It is not the ultimate goal. And that tool is to get you where you feel like you are personally free. So that way you can pursue the things you want to, spend your time the way that you want to, help others the way that you would like to. Um, that is all part of being truly personally free. And wealth is one of the tools you really have to have to attain that freedom. Yeah, I completely agree. Leslie, how are you doing on your journey to wealth? Doing pretty well, so much better than I used to. And really, a lot of that is because of that multiple streams of income with Amazon and with having a consulting business. It, it also gives me a lot of a feeling of stability and security of having those multiple streams of income. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm not quite, quite free left yet, but I'm getting there. Hey, you know what? There's, there's, there's no, you'll never be free because you'll figure something else out. If it's not monetarily, you'll figure out a cause. So you'll never be fully free. So I have a firm belief people like you and I can't be free because we'll find something to entangle ourselves with for good, right? So it's freedom by choice though. So, which is good, entangled by choice. So Leslie, let's talk a little bit more about it. Multiple streams of income. When most people growing up don't want to create multiple streams of income because they're going to go to good school, go to get, get good grades so that they can find a better job, so that they can find a high paying better job, so they can buy a better house, they can better live lifestyle. Right? That's the life script for most of people, including me. That's how I grew up. So I have no judgment on anybody. When did the concept of multiple streams of income come to you? Oh, gosh, I think it was around 2010 mm -hmm. um, is when I really started looking at this idea. And it was because of challenges in my own family. I have two boys and my older son at the time was really struggling in school. We took him to a psychologist, had him diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum, had a whole bunch of learning disorders, and we decided to homeschool him. Um, because he really needed, he's really like a lot of kids on the spectrum. He's very smart. Right. He's just lacking skills. So we decided therapy was the way to go, all these different therapies. Well, that's when you figure out, you know what? My full-time job is not helping me because I need to have freedom during the day to spend time with this kid and give him what he needs. And that's when I started selling on Amazon because I could do it on the, at night and on the weekend. And then after my kid went back to school three years later, I kept doing that Amazon nights and weekends and we did it as a family. And we still have that business now selling on Amazon as a family, even though I went back to working a regular consulting kind of job. Isn't that, isn't that interesting that the necessity is the mother of invention that until that time life was perfect and you didn't need to and you didn't understand. And at that, I think I can almost guarantee even... Until that incident happened, even if I brought a hammer and put it on your head and just said that, drill down the multiple streams of income, you probably wouldn't have paid a lot of attention. But the moment your situation changed and you had the desire, you had the need, and of course the maternal instinct kicked in, that I want to be with my child, 
but you also yet you have to pay the bills and hopefully grow the wealth, not just pay the bills. So that so I love that story. Thank you for sharing that, Leslie. So from starting an Amazon business and nights and weekends now transitioning into running it as a family and still continue to do that, that's all amazing. Where did you start thinking about Riverbend Consulting, which essentially the core reason for its existing is to solve problem for other e-commerce sellers? Like if the Amazon account being banned, if I understand correctly, or or some of the challenges they're having at Amazon. How do you how does it how did you transition from being an Amazon reseller to then consulting other people on how to resolve some of the issues? So before I was a homeschooling mom slash Amazon seller, I was an old school business consultant. So I helped with business operations and with marketing challenges for several years. And so once I became an Amazon seller, I started going to Amazon conferences and meeting other sellers. And I met people who had had their accounts suspended from Amazon or they were having challenges with their businesses. And so I thought, you know, I can write a great plan of action. I've done that a million times for people who needed an SBA loan. And we were essentially doing root cause analyses and how the funds would be spent. It's really a lot of the same skills. So there was a great demand there. And I got into that consulting. And then one day I was referred a client named Joe and I got his account reinstated after a couple of days. And he said, you know, we should do this as a business because I've got the sales background and you've got the the service and operational background. And we did. So now he's my co-founder, Joe Zalta. And six and a half years later, we are still blowing and going and helping thousands of people on Amazon, but also on Walmart, Etsy, several other e-commerce platforms. Awesome. So uh, Leslie, one question there. When we talk about different platforms of being an online retailer, I'm going to use that broad term, because that, but that could mean different things. When, when you're an online retailer and you're using a third-party platform, like the ones you described, Etsy, Walmart, Amazon, and probably there are tons of others that I'm with right now. What what kind of help do people, why are they coming to you? Is it only account suspension or is it brand growth? Where does does your role begin and where does it end? So it's really a wide range of things because most people who come to us off of a Google ad or a referral, Mm -hmm. it is an emergency of some sort. It's that they have a problem with the product or they have an account suspension or they've had their products lost by one of these big platforms. Uh, so, you know, you ship all your stuff to Amazon and they lose it. You ship your stuff to Walmart and they lose it and they right. don't they don't reimburse you. There are so many problems that you can run across. So usually they come to us for a problem. But then once we've solved that problem or saved their business, we are definitely a trusted partner. And so they ask us a lot of questions about how do I grow my brand? How do I get stronger, bigger? How do I compete against other people on these spaces? Um, so we we do a little bit of everything. And, and my partner and I, since between us, we've sold on Amazon for, gosh, 22 years of wow. combined experience selling on Amazon or longer. We've we've seen it all at this point. Yeah. No, I think you kind of grew up with the company, right? Almost. Maybe you lost the first 10 years of their journey, but since then you're, you're with the company. So Leslie, is there, so I, I used to work at Airbnb, 
right? So Airbnb is the Amazon equivalent of online because it's, if Airbnb as a company has launched a lot of entrepreneurs in a very specific niche, which is the short-term rental. And Amazon I see is also starting a lot of businesses, have started a lot of businesses, but really, really literally a broad range of product offering, right? So I love that. What are some of the challenges that people usually face? Account suspension, we talked about, product loss. And does that happen so often that, that somebody's actually looking on, there's, that, because Google ads are expensive. You mentioned Google ads. They're not cheap, right? So if that somebody's actually looking for this help on a scale basis, that you have to start a company, help me understand that. I never, I never even thought about these problems. Of course, I'm not in that space. So I'm going to have to think about it. Give me a little bit more context on that. So Amazon, eBay, Etsy, all of these platforms, they're huge. And they serve millions of sellers as well as hundreds of millions of customers. So because of that, these businesses, they've grown really quickly over time. So you look at Amazon, it's a behemoth, mm -hmm. but it's also very siloed internally. And there are certain departments that only do certain things. They have a lot of turnover, so they don't have a ton of training for new people sometimes. So there are problems that should be relatively easy to address and solve that are not, because it's kind of like if you had to walk into the social security office to solve a problem with social security office. Everyone knows that's like a nightmare place to go or like yeah. a DMV to get your driver's license. These are nightmare places to go. Amazon has kind of become that, unfortunately, when it comes to solving problems with their partners, the sellers. There are a lot of account suspensions and ASIN suspensions, but as a percentage of the platform, uh, we think about 1% of accounts globally are suspended that's each year. Pretty, that's a pretty is, big amount. It, it is. It sounds that big, but it's a pretty big amount. Yes, it's a small percentage, but with millions of sellers, it's a lot of accounts. Uh, and then an ASIN is like Amazon's version of a SKU or a UPC. It's, and so we call individual products on Amazon ASINs. Many more ASINs than that are suspended for lots of reasons. So if you have complaints from customers about product quality or that they think that an item is fake for some reason or whatever their complaint is, Amazon might take that ASIN down off the platform and ask you for proof. So they ask for invoices. They want you to prove that you're uh, shipping goods that are in good quality, whatever the problem might be. And then also think about all the, so I buy all my supplements on Amazon. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, all those supplements, there's FDA regulations. There's when people put claims on them that you're not allowed to and say it can cure something. You can't say that. All of that can result in a product being taken down temporarily. And sometimes sellers don't have the expertise to get that solved or they get denied by Amazon and they need someone to help them escalate at Amazon. Amazon has an escalation culture. So we help them escalate at Amazon to get their products back up live. So we always say our business shouldn't exist if Amazon was as as concerned about sellers as they are about buyers. They love okay. buyers, consumers, customers, but they've grown so quickly. I think it's just the nature of the beast now. So is there something proactively, Leslie, that people can do on Amazon to avoid enforcement by Amazon? Absolutely. And all of the tools 
are right there in the interface that Amazon gives you. They call it Seller Central, and that's where you can run reports about your business. You see your sales numbers and your revenue, and it is so much like traditional businesses, y'all. It is so old school. You usually have the data that you need to solve problems at your fingertips, but are you looking at the reports? So if you look in Amazon Seller Central, you can find return reports. And those return reports will give reasons for the return. There's a drop-down menu that people choose from when they return an item, whether it's to FBA or it's directly to you as a merchant fulfilled seller. And so if you run your returns report, you're going to see things. So you can exclude the reasons that don't matter. Like it was a bad address. That's not on you. That has nothing yeah. to do with your product. But if you see size was too small, over and over and over again for the same product, golly gee, either the product is running small yeah. or your sizing chart is wrong. There's so much you can learn from those return reports. And it is, you know, it is just like Riverbend's business. When we have refunds or we have people who want to stop services, we always ask for the reason why. And wouldn't we be a negligent business owners if we didn't at the end of every right. month look at those reports and say, do we have a problem with the service team? Do we have a problem with this particular service? Is there a step that we can take to, to serve people better? It's it's the exact same thing, but it's all about product quality on Amazon. Love that. So is, are, are, maybe I'm extrapolating that to so tell me if I'm, if I'm right there. Are we saying that a lot of the enforcement's done because of the product quality? Yes, and because the sellers have ignored when there are problems with product quality. Got so it. usually you get a canary in the coal mine. If you're looking at your returns reports and there's another report called voice of the customer that has customer comments about your products mm. that are returned or complained about, if you ignore those, then eventually Amazon's going to say, okay, we're going to take the product down. Now there are times when sellers unfortunately don't have good data and Amazon will take down an ASIN. It's not always the seller's fault for ignoring it, but I would right. say at least half the time. You could have avoided the enforcement if you had really looked at those reports. Love that. Love that. And what's the craziest suspension you've seen? you have an example that you can show? Oh, yes. So the craziest, I always have to, people ask me this question. I always have to use the same example because it is truly the craziest. I had a seller who was selling via approved drop shipping. So this is where there's a very large distributor that will actually put your name on the products they ship out. You know, you're on the return label, but they have a huge product catalog, so you're not going to carry all the products. So this guy, he was selling in sports and outdoors, and he uploaded the entire catalog of goods from his drop shipper to Amazon not bothering to look through and see that in that catalog of goods, there were hand grenades as well as oh, other gun parts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so he actually suspended from Amazon for listing hand grenades for sale. And too. even crazier, I got him reinstated with one appeal, which shocked me beyond belief. So let, let's talk about the appeal process to the extent you're able to share. What does the process look like? What is is this something that you're leveraging your relationships or is there an escalation process and you're providing more clarity and you know what works? How does this, how does that work? So we at Riverbend, 
are completely removed from this. We're providing counsel and we're providing text and advice and written appeals to our clients, but they do all of the actual communicating with Amazon because Amazon will not speak to a third party about a seller's account. So Amazon will ask very specific questions and it's usually in three parts. It's a root cause analysis, what you do wrong, and then how you have solved the problem for the people who were wronged. So did you need to refund people or you know, did you need to reach out to certain people? And then how you'll prevent it from happening again in the future is the third part. And not all appeals follow that exact structure, but they're generally covering those three areas. And you write up a plan of action and you submit it to Amazon. They have a group called Seller Performance that reviews all of this. And where the escalations come into play is if they don't answer or if they give the same stupid responses over and over, which happens a lot, where they'll ask nonsense questions or it's obvious they didn't even read it. That does happen. Or if you, you're denied and we think it was unfairly that you've presented a good plan or you didn't do the bad thing, um, then we will we will help the seller escalate to different teams in Amazon to try and solve the problem. Got it. And Leslie, usually, let me ask this. What's, what's the success rate for you guys to help sellers solve the problem? Is it 100% or sometimes you have a miss? So it depends on the type of appeal, unfortunately. I can't give a really good answer to that. We have some clients are, who are on what we call a valet service where we handle all of their ASIN issues and our success rate is almost 100% with that one. But then people come to us with an account appeal for fraud or an account appeal for counterfeit or forged documents. And, and so then our success rate's more like 65%. Um, you know, we do really well but we're handed a problem that is already very difficult. Correct, correct, correct. I think, I think that makes sense to me. Leslie, I'm going to ask, I should have asked you this question first, but I'm going to ask you, if somebody is thinking about starting an Amazon business, given that there are already probably millions of sellers, I have no idea what the count is, but I'm assuming because it's been going, it's anything that becomes that popular, that means there's a lot of people. Is it a good time to start an Amazon business if you're completely, you've never done it before? Is this a real possibility or your competition is so big that you can't really be successful there? Does a question make sense? Yes, and it's a great question. And people ask me that frequently and reasonably because Amazon's been around a while. So you think, is it saturated? And it's true, some products are saturated. However, there is still so much opportunity to sell on Amazon. So first, you have to remember that there's about 175 million Prime subscriptions only in the United States. Um, So when you expand that to multiple people living in a household, you're getting up to almost everyone in the United States has a Prime subscription they have access to through a a family member. And now it's easier than ever to start selling in other countries and, and selling your products on Amazon in the EU, in Australia all over the world, um, in India, in Japan, uh, lots of marketplaces. So the real question for me is, can you find a product that's going to win on Amazon? Can you find things that aren't already you know, completely saturated where you're competing against 200 other people on right. the same listing? And really, you can. And so do you mind if I share my very favorite fun strategy Let's do it. of how to do that? Let's do it. I'm sure people would love it. This is the reason I said don't tune out. 
because you never know where the episode goes. All right, Leslie, go ahead. So my favorite strategy is called be a hometown hero because you really can become an, a hero in your community by selling on Amazon. And here is why. There are small businesses in your community that have products they manufacture or specialty products in a retail store. There are places like the, what are they called? The business parks, you know, where they have an office and they're, and they're making things. Um, there are people in your community who are making products that they are selling traditionally. So they're selling them just to retail stores or through wholesalers and distributors, but they do not have a presence on Amazon. So you can go to your chamber of commerce meeting locally. You can go to the local small specialty stores that develop their own products or walk those, those industrial areas. You're going to find people who would love for you to put their stuff on Amazon. Usually what you can negotiate is their best wholesale rate. And most of the time they will let you do returns. So in other words, if a product doesn't work, they'll let you take it back because they like you understand this is an experiment. Is this product going to work on Amazon? Is there a niche that I'm not competing against, you know, some huge dominant players? Are there keywords I can find that are going to work for this product? So I know people who use this strategy and it's fantastic. And they have found 10, 15, 20 products that are winners that sell between 20 units and 200 units a month mm. that are all from local companies that they're the only seller on it on Amazon. And you talk about multiple streams of income. Think of each of those products or brands or suppliers as a stream of income. Because just because one of them went out of business or something, you've still got three or four others, right? That are just selling and clicking along. And one thing I love, I talked at the very beginning about freedom, right? The idea of migrating to wealth being about freedom. A fantastic thing about Amazon, you do have to work, but it is literally whenever you want to. So you can work on building out the detail pages for these products at midnight or during the weekday or during summer vacation. It can be any time you want to that you're getting those pages up, setting up advertising campaigns, doing keyword research. Um, but you want to be a hero. You start moving some extra products for these guys that are where you live. And then I guarantee you that the other business owners they know who manufacture products or have these specialty goods they're going to say, hey, you need to reach out to my friend who put my stuff on Amazon. She lives over in that subdivision, lives over in that apartment complex. He's right here. And you need that person to get your products online too. Love that, Leslie. I think this is actually very, very actionable because you know, and, and it's very, it's less, less crowded space as well. And they're selling a unique product. You're not just selling an, a widget right? You're selling something that already has a market fit. You already know that because somebody is manufacturing, at least in your local market. So you're now removing that risk that it's a completely new product. No one's buying it. There's a need. Otherwise, these guys or gals won't be in the business for for for, for local markets. So you already have some of that proof. Now you want to scale it. Maybe there is a need. Maybe there isn't a need. That's where the experimentation comes. But your risk as an entrepreneur has been drastically reduced. Right, because what Leslie was saying is that you're you're building a platform from for your local community to come and leverage your platform and your strength in marketing on Amazon. So you you may have to learn a few skills. That's fine. We may already have those skills, and there's tons of courses available. 
but you're now testing it. You know what? One thing that I really loved in that whole example is, depending upon your age of your kids, you can make this probably one of the best way to educate your kids about entrepreneurship, right? They're not going to learn this until they do themselves. This is probably the safest way and the cheapest way, I would say, because the mistake's not that expensive. You don't have to teach them manufacturing. The product's already available. You're now trying to figure out how to take some, identify something of value and find a customer for, for it in a way that's hopefully scalable. I, I love that example, Leslie. Thank you again for sharing that. I did want to ask one question on your story when we talked about that your, I think your oldest, you were saying, was on that spectrum or was identified on spectrum. So, now looking back, and you said you've already engaged your family. So for, for our listeners who may themselves have a special need child, or they may have somebody who knows about us, a, a friend or a family who has one, how does Amazon work for somebody who is on the spectrum or is in the special need? I, I hate to categorize people, but in the special need category, is there certain advantages they have? Are there certain help, certain additional resources? that are being provided to the extent you're able to share? I actually know a lot of sellers who are on the spectrum or who have other challenges like ADD, ADHD. Um, it is not uncommon in the entrepreneurial community to find Definitely people yeah, who have these difficulties because they don't necessarily fit or want to fit in yeah. a day-to-day -day environment. It's more challenging for them. If they can get up, move around, do things at their own pace, it's very beneficial. Um, and, you know, linking that back to teaching children, I can tell you there were enormous benefits to having my kids work in my Amazon business and especially that kid. He learned how to have a job early on because mm -hmm. I would say, here's the task. You need to, you know, ship these boxes of inventory and they need to be divided. So these products go here, these go there. Here's your packing lists, and then weigh them and get me the the mailing label, you know, according to the weight. And then when he got older, take him down to UPS and drop him off. It was huge. He did, he did our merchant fulfilled orders for several years when he was in high school, and you know that is each order. You pick it, you pack it, you wrap it carefully, you put the shipping label on, and you drop it off at the post office by five o'clock, and that was invaluable life skills that he learned. And I'll tell you, both my kids sure know where money comes from. We, <laughs> we used important. the money from our, from our FBA business. Task number one was paying for therapy. Task number two was paying for a special needs school and tuition. Then we used it for college funds. And they learned that this was them contributing to those very real expenses in the household that were for them. And and it really changed their attitude toward work over time and much more of a helping, giving spirit, even in regular right. chores, because they understood the work that goes into getting the money that is for them. But for people who have kids on the spectrum who might be you know, flailing a little, because believe me, since I have one, he has a lot of friends that I, I see these guys who are 18 to 26 and they just haven't found their way. Um, the hustle of doing a reselling business, a retail arbitrage flipping business, they're really good at that. They remember all the numbers. Once they've learned the profits, they keep it all in their heads. 
a lot of these kids can really do well in an Amazon business. I've been so impressed by several of the guys that I've met at conferences and events and people who are clients who I, I see them, I meet them and I'm like, you're my kid. And that's why you're so good at this. <laughs> well, that, Leslie, thank, thank you again for sharing these personal stories and then these, these inspirational uh, messages because I love them. Uh, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Shifting forward, looking forward, I know you're working on a book or you launched a book recently, correct? Tell us about the, the inspiration for the book. So I've recently launched a book called The Amazon Incubator. Hatch your business or I'm sorry, grow your business or hatch a new one. I get it backward every time. <laughs> uh, and I was actually very fortunate. I was speaking at an industry conference and afterward an editor approached me and said, our publishing house really wants to get a book out there about how to sell on Amazon and there's a hole in the market and we want to know if you'd like to fill it. So I, I wrote a book for Skycourse Publishing. It's distributed by Simon & Schuster, so you can find it anywhere. And it is really an antidote to a lot of the get-rich-quick out there. So if you were to search on Google or search on YouTube, how do I make money on Amazon? How do I get that extra stream of income or side hustle? Any of those keywords, man, you're going to find all of these courses and some of them are are good. Some of them are scams. It's hard to tell the difference. Also, they're all very expensive. And while I'm all about investing in a great course, if you've decided this is the thing for you, if you haven't quite decided that yet, I think it's better to, to take a bet on a make a bet on a $25 book. Uh, so what the Amazon Incubator does is it takes you from start to finish of how to set the goals, how to decide what products to sell, do you merchant fulfill or do you do FBA where Amazon picks and packs and ships your orders? All of the basics of running an Amazon business all the way up to building a brand and selling your own private label products. So I call it a blueprint for building an Amazon business. It's very accessible, short chapters, easy to read. And if you buy it now, I still have some specials running. If you go to theamazonincubator.com, and you give us your order number from one of the bookstores, you can get a free three-part class, some videos, and also a downloadable workbook companion to the book. So I'd love it if you'd check it out. Oh, th thank you again, Leslie, for sharing that resource. I'm definitely doing that. Right after this conversation, I'm buying a book and, and getting, a, getting access to those bonuses. Leslie, what's one thing that you believe people need to know as they are as they are thinking about this business, as they're launching about this business, what's one thing that's going to make them successful? So really, you have to decide on a plan and set the goals for yourself and ignore the detractors. I'm not saying ignore people who give good advice or who ask you questions or who challenge you. But there are a lot of scammy things out there with Amazon. And so folks know other people who've gotten caught up in some scam or they yeah. just don't believe that a side hustle can be profitable. Um, they, they, we all know these people in our lives who they are not hopeful and they tend to believe that everything is going to fail. Oh, that'll never work. Well, right. I'm here to tell you it really can work you can pretty easily create a, a monthly stream of income 
of one to $3,000 as a very much side hustle. And that is very much part-time and that's the money in your pocket at the end after your taxes that you're you're taking home another one to three thousand, and that's with not working that hard. You really hustle; you can turn it into an entire new, you know, full time income kind of stream of income. But you have to find your people who believe in that and want to challenge you Correct. instead of the ones who want to tell you it can't be done. Um, it it's always really hard to start something new. There's so much doubt inside yourself. So if people are feeding those doubts, try and block that out and and go back to, you know, reading the materials, learning about the system, joining a, a mastermind group, joining a Facebook group where there are others who are also motivated to win for themselves and their families. So important, Leslie. And thank you for sharing that because I think you pretty much answered the next question I was going to be. What's your one advice to a 20-year-old Leslie who's listening to this show? Which I really believe that's the core of it, right? Stop. Stop looking, listening to the noise because the noise, no matter how well-wished the noise is, it's still a noise. Um, it's people are trying to protect you from failure because they look at failure as a wrong thing. But in, in the journey as an entrepreneur, failure is going to happen and it's a good thing. And it's only a failure once you quit. It's actually not even a failure. It's really something that you wanted to accomplish, you didn't. Now you have to figure out what other ways can you achieve it. But it gets your problem-solving brain uh, tackled in. And so what if you're a failure? Who cares? In the end, it's always how you're looking at it, right? I mean, when I started my business, I'm sure truth for you, Leslie, is like, are you sure you want to give up a job at Airbnb? Like, people would kill for it. I'm like, you're right. People would, and they should. But I'm done, right? When I knew it was done, it didn't matter what other, what other people would say. And same is true for a lot of people who are saying they very few people receive the support, especially from the well-wishers, because they don't want you to fail, right? There's a risk is high. So that's why, Leslie, thank you for talking about the reach, like masterminds, Facebook group, where we are surrounded by people who are looking to be successful in a non-traditional manner. And when I say non-traditional, this used to be traditional manner. There were no factory jobs way back when. Everyone was trying to hustle. Everyone was trying to make money. That's really the traditional way, which has now become, unfortunately, the non-traditional way. Uh, but we'll probably have to record like 10 other episodes to talk about that topic. Uh, so Leslie, next up, next question here is going to be more around, as you reflect back in your engagement with other folks, as, as you reflect back on your own life journey and people around you, where do you feel humanity as a whole has a gap right now? And where should that humanity migrate to? So, I think that the biggest gap that I see is real compassion, not thoughts and prayers compassion, but real compassion for our neighbors, for the people who live close to us. It is so easy to get on a Facebook page or an Instagram page and say that, you ex that you're sad that someone you've never met who's a celebrity died. And then that gets mistaken for true compassion. Um, there's There are so many gaps in our own neighborhoods. You can look around and you're going to find families who are struggling, who have special needs kids. Or like my other kid, when he was eight, he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so now we are deeply involved in the pediatric cancer community. There are so many families out there struggling and people don't actually reach out to them. They're more concerned about what's happening 
across the world or in the other side of the United States, all of that matters too. But there are people right there where you live that you could reach out a helping hand to or just give a hug or show up and talk or listen. And that that's where I see the biggest gap. I think the, one of the things about things like e-commerce and the internet that have so many benefits, um, the drawback is that we've lost touch with the people who are just right next door. Correct. Correct. I think that's that's unfortunate really, because it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and to step to your neighbor and ask him, right? Most of us don't even know. That's the sad part. But your point, I think if you can address that, it's easy to say you're sad about something that happened 5,000 miles away. Very easy because it doesn't really involve, it doesn't require involvement of your spirit, of your heart, of your energy. But to go check in with a neighbor, you have to take a lot of steps because you might not, now you have to engage in the conversation. You can't just say, how are you doing? You wait for a response and you don't know what kind of response you're going to get. So I know it's hard. I know, especially in the newer world, especially post-COVID world, I think no one's, no one's people, are trying, people are comfortable in the shop now. But I would definitely say that that's one thing that's needed. So thank you for bringing that up, Leslie. Appreciate that. Leslie, towards the end of our show, I know we've probably talked like over 40 minutes now. So we're, again, very, very respectful of your time. Where can people find you and learn more about your company, about your work? How can they engage with you? So if you have challenges on Amazon, you can find us at riverbendconsulting.com. But more importantly, if you're just interested in selling on Amazon, you've thought about it, you've got ideas, you don't know where to go, or you have some specific questions, please reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all the regular social media channels under my name, Leslie Hensel, H-E-N-S-E-L-L. I love interacting with new sellers, with people who have brands but want to be on Amazon, but they just don't know. And this isn't me trying to drum up business. This is what I do for fun on the side. Like, I just love to help and answer questions and, and get the thoughts going. Love that, Leslie. Thank you again for the insightful conversation. Thank you for sharing your life journey and uh, creating a community of inspired individuals. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below.